Outkick 360 is back. We hope you'll share the feed wherever you're watching today, including on YouTube, on Twitter. Search us out, Outkick 360. Coming up, Brent Hubbs, uh, VolQuest.com with the very latest from the Hill in Knoxville. All of the sports will be covered with Hubs and the top headlines of the week. But the headline in Major League Baseball involves the Oakland A's and whether or not the A's are going to be on the move if the city itself doesn't build them a new stadium where they want it built uh, or jump in and be a part of that stadium effort there. Uh, Chad, you, your thoughts on hearing John Lohr, who heads up Music City Baseball, trying to get his foot in the door with MLB, saying that Oakland's likely to stay somewhere on the West Coast if the A's do choose to move. It's raise or expansion or bust. It's a weird thing to discuss as a story, and only for, for this reason. I 100% I believe everything John Lohr tells us in that interview and, and what he's trying to do. But John Lohr's a real estate developer. So, I mean, I, I don't think it takes a rocket scientist to say, to go to the battery in Atlanta and say, man, this would look cool in Nashville on the East Bank. Sure. I mean, you get the right collection of people together that will all jump in and all these celebrities and say, yeah, I'd be for that. But being for that and doing that are two completely different things. So that's why I asked him the question. Here's the criticism. You've got a good idea. A lot of people could have this idea. It sounds like it's great for Nashville. Who's funding this project? Yeah. Who's the billionaire backer? Who are the billionaires that are there? And they don't have that right now. And, Paul, you brought up the point that if it's the Rays or the A's coming in, well, they own the team. So they don't need this group to do this plan. Right. They could just take the plan and the idea and decide to go to the city of Nashville and say, are you willing to, pun intended, play ball right. with us and help us build something like this? Well, what's proprietary to the Nashville Stars, to Music City Baseball, about this? If you're hooking on to... Um, uh, to, to the hope that Tampa Bay is going to come to you. Well, he said, you know, they could, they could have a situation where they want us to acquire them. They could be into our real estate deal. They could be into our media deal. Well, that's all well and good. But they could also want to do all of those things themselves. The city has to be into those deals. And why would the city build a ballpark without a team? <laughs> First, you need the Rays in. So if the Rays are coming in, I think it's far more likely the Rays are going to want to do this themselves and not have some middleman who's set things up for them. So I'm, I'm a skeptic, right? The Rays, like the, when the Titans came, the Titans negotiated a deal with the city of Nashville. They didn't negotiate a deal with somebody who had set up a framework work for pro football in Nashville. And I think virtually any team is going to do that themselves unless the Rays decide we can't make this work in Tampa Bay. We want to sell. And then we don't see the money here with Music City Baseball with the type of financing that you need in what we're talking about. So it just seems like there are too many elements missing. And then if you're an expansion team, what the league is going to say is, okay, everybody who wants to buy a baseball team or, or buy a new team in our league, come to us. And these guys will come, as many others will come. And guess what? They're going to be how many more, Hutton, who have billionaires in their group who can offer more? Unless you're Major League Baseball and you facilitate the merger. If you're Major League Baseball you pair behind a millionaire the scenes, with you're them. pairing up the funding and the discussion points and the land and the property with and their the build and the blueprints here. Right. And you find an owner who wants to move and you merge the two together and say, here's what we need to do. If you want to go to Nashville, here it is. Right. But there's a lot of hope there. And he said... Uh, publicly, they don't support us whatsoever. The Titans. So, uh, the no, Titans. Oh, and no, no. He, would talk, he, he said they don't have anything going with the Titans, but he was talking about Major League Baseball. So as of now, they don't have any support from Major they're, League Baseball. They're only, uh, to me, their only real recourse here in making this vision come true is that you get on, he kept saying, the north side of COVID. We're on the north side of COVID now, coming out of it. Finances should be better. Major League Baseball is in a good financial spot. They decide to expand mm -hmm. by two teams. I think if they expand by two teams, Vegas and Nashville make the most sense. So then they have positioned themselves in the spotlight to be the group that baseball would go to and say, got a billionaire? Because we like your plan. Or Attach a billionaire, billionaire to this plan, and then you guys are now the ownership group, and you're the real estate development group. Again, John Lohr is a real estate developer. He's not a guy with the finances to own the team. 
So he has put together a good real estate development plan for what he says are eight different locations in Nashville, but they really want the East Bank. He also says that we're having little to no cooperation from the Titans on anything the on the Titans East Bank of the, no of the river. They've got, they've they got no interest in it. So to me, the only thing that could happen is Major League Baseball expands and picks Nashville and picks this group to help find them the owner that will bring a team to Nashville. Three things. Vegas and, and Nashville could be full with, uh, with the, the A's and the Rays before they get to expansion. Um, uh, the, the billionaire, I mean, Major League Baseball could, like you said, Hutton, introduce the billionaire to these people. But the billionaire, most billionaires are going to say, I've got my own people. I've got my own real estate developer. I've got my own, uh, you know, all, all of these divisions that you're talking about. So why am I going to make new relationships with these people well, when I've made my billions on relationships with my own people? But if they don't have people in Nashville, that's right. why. Well, and you the need third help thing in is the city you're going to move to. Help, and, but not necessarily the big thing. And, and you don't thirdly, get a team the, by sitting down and, and waiting on Major League Baseball to come to you. You do it by doing exactly what he's no, doing. I, you get your group together and you that. go tour They're and being meet proactive. with owners. They're being proactive. He's doing more than just meeting and, and meeting with the, the ticket rep for the Texas Rangers today. No, I, I, I mean, they're being proactive, but I think it's still a lot of hope involved. The one thing that they're doing that I think is very good and healthy for Nashville that may pan out into nothing is they're coalescing yeah. Nashville's hope for Major League Baseball. Right. Right? The push. Yeah. I mean, everybody, who's not into this? Who's not saying, yeah, we like the idea that you're making a big push for this and you're giving us a central location for all of us to put our hopes and dreams and support into. Brent Hubs of VolQuest.com. Friday means the VolQuest Power Hour in the second hour of Outkick 360. Hang with us. Glad you're with us for the Friday edition of Outkick 360 across the Outkick network. If you're watching on YouTube, we appreciate that. And the new YouTube channel, Outkick 360. Subscribe, hit that bell, and be alerted every time we go live and every time that we post new content. We appreciate that. And if you're listening on podcast, and if you found the link through VolQuest, appreciate you joining us. And we always love having Brent Hubs and Austin Price on for the VolQuest Power Hour each and every Friday at 1 o'clock Eastern, noon Central here on OutKick360. Austin Price on assignment today which leaves Brent Hubs with us live from Knoxville. Brent, great to see you as always. Hope you're doing well. I'm doing fantastic. Let, uh, let me break it down a little of Austin's assignment for you guys. Yes. We, we snuck off yesterday and played a little golf. The pro shop had a Peter Millar <laughs> section in the pro shop. I've not seen him since. <laughs> so I'm really at this point in time. But uh, hopefully he'll rejoin us next week because uh, I left him at the golf course yesterday looking at Peter Millar clothing. And Paul, for you today, I wore nice clothing. It's a, it, I took it's my beautiful. hoodie. I took my hoodie off four minutes ago, just for you. It's beautiful. And as soon as I get done, I put my my hoodie back on, Paul, because I I know my 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 wardrobe seems to affect you every week. <laughs> it's beautiful, but it's not Peter Millar. <laughs> it is not. No, no, it is, you're absolutely right. It is not. That's for sure. Hope you guys are doing well. We're doing great. We're do, doing very well. We, we were discussing earlier this week uh, with with Josh Heupel the decision to uh, put Tennessee on Thursday night for their season opener on September the 2nd. Uh, curious to get your thoughts on Tennessee debuting uh, on, on national TV uh, a, a couple of days earlier than uh, originally scheduled. Well, I mean, let's, let's be honest. It is not the most convenient thing for some out-of-town out of fans. We know that, and, and I understand how it's, it's a bit frustrating for some of those fans who you know, will want to make their way and they've got to take an extra day off from work or they just can't go because they can't get that day off from work. But it puts more eyes on Tennessee on a Thursday night because of the television audience. And for the fans who were going to the game, I think it's a more comfortable experience to play on a Thursday night than to be at noon on a Saturday or at 4 o'clock on a Saturday afternoon where the heat index and the humidity could potentially be, you know, near triple digits. And Tennessee is certainly experience those games and then the other thing too is this is not groundbreaking this is becoming commonplace for power five teams this is not like i mean used to there was the stigma oh you're playing on thursday night means you're not this or you're not that it's really not the case anymore when you look at the number of times 
Tennessee, Alabama, other schools are opening their season on a, quote, non-traditional Saturday. Tennessee's done it a lot recently. So, Brent, we, we interviewed Josh Heupel uh, earlier this week, and, and I think all three of us came in with really no preconceived notion about Coach Heupel and, and no real expectation with the interview, and I think all three of us liked him uh, by the end of the interview, and he seemed like a genuine guy and uh, like everything he was saying that he truly believed in. Um, the fun aspect of the program was something I asked him specifically about. And it seems to be a constant theme with him and his players. Is this the right approach with this group based on the group he's inheriting and what they've been dealing with from a coaching standpoint the last few years? Well, I think it's resonated with this group because I think that the group that has stayed feels like, you know, there's a level of engagement there beyond just football. Um, and, and I, you know, I'm not going to knock on on Jeremy Pruitt for an hour, but Jeremy Pruitt, when you talk to Jeremy Pruitt, liked to talk ball. It was about ball. Um, the other thing, too, is over the course of the past year, you've not been allowed to gather with people. So, you know, some of these guys, particularly the young players, it's a brand-new concept. Wait a minute, I'm going to a coach's house for dinner? We're going to a baseball game? They just have not been able to do that over the course of the past year, year and a half. So that feels really new to those guys. But if you talk to people, big picture, long-term, at Central Florida, uh, at Missouri, that have dealt with Josh Heupel, he is about engagement and relationships beyond the football practice field. And and I think this team has responded to that. Does that mean they're going to win more games? I can't say that. But I do think it means that that there's the commitment level is good and – there's an enjoyment factor to being a part of a program who's in the middle of a pretty serious rebuild. So you'd rather a coach be optimistic as opposed to pessimistic? One thing that jumps out to me with Josh Heupel in our interview is optimism. And I think it's genuine optimism. My question for you, though, Brent, is, is his optimism well-placed, or is this a guy taking over his biggest job he's ever had and not fully understanding the conference he's about to play in and some of the teams that Tennessee is going to see on their schedule? Or do you get a sense that Josh Heupel has reason to believe that, hey, we may be better than some people think based on the top players on this roster? Well, I think a couple of things. One, I think he believes that that there's a, a program and a fan base that's pretty beat down. And all they hear is about how bad they're going to be, Okay. Um, so, you know, he is, he is not wanting to create that notion. And also, he doesn't want to beat up the kids, right? I mean, he doesn't want it to be, well, we got to wait till we get our players here to run our system. You know, and, and suddenly those kids feel like they don't want to be a part or they're not a part. Um, I think by nature, he's an optimistic guy. He understands this league because he's been in it um, as an offensive coordinator. Um, you know, I think – I think the, the, the thing about the optimism is I don't think he's selling 10 wins optimism. You know what I'm saying? I don't think he's trying to sell we're going to win the East. I think he's selling we're better than three and seven. Okay, we're not going to be a total train wreck like, you know, some people have thought that they would be. So I think, I think the, the, the thing with his optimism is it's, it's good to have, but I don't think it's over the top because I don't think he's selling something that's completely unrealistic. Now, right. if his offense doesn't work, they're not going to be very good, period. But he believes in his offense because that's what he does. Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com with us on Outkick 360. Brent, is it fair to ask this question? Maybe it's not. Um, if, if, if We know that if not for Danny White, maybe the Vols don't even look his way right in this search. But if not for Danny White, does Heupel turn this job down? No. I don't think he turns the job down. Um, but I don't know that he gets a phone call if it's a different AD right. either. Right. Okay. But but I don't think he would have turned the, the job down. Um, you know, I, I think there's some situations at Central Florida that um, – he didn't feel like that he had maybe complete control over. They had some issues there, I think staff-wise, and some some unusual circumstances there that 
Um, I don't think he was looking for a bunch of jobs, but I think if Tennessee had called, he would have listened and, and if had been offered, I think he would have taken the job. I don't think he would have turned the job down at, you know, $4 million a year and a chance to be in this league uh, with, with a long-term guarantee. I mean, you know, there, there's a safety net to this job a little bit because of the NCAA investigation, right? I mean, it's, you know, it, that tempers sure. some expectations on people because, you know, if you got a bowl ban or you got a loss of scholarship, maybe you get a longer, a little bit of a longer leash that way. So, no, to answer your question, I don't think he turns the job down if offered. Well, but I, and I bring that up, and you you bring up an interesting point about the safety net with the investigation. I was looking at it from the opposite end of why you would want to jump into a job that is with a, a lot of uh, you know criticism that is involved in that, a lot of pressure within the SEC structure. Um, and a, a part of that has to be his relationship with Danny White. That we know. Uh, but uh, that's interesting that you bring up the investigation as almost a positive in, in a way no. for year for year one because you're, you're able to establish them some things with the, with the expectations being a, a bit lower than one may have for a new coach coming in replacing Pruitt. Well, and look at his contract too, right? Depending on what yeah. the penalties yeah. be, his contract gets extended a year. So if they get hammered, he gets another year on his deal. Well, what does that give you? Bigger buyout, right? Sure. Okay. So the leash, the, the you know the leash is not going to be as short because it's going to cost you more to make a change there. So if you're if you're looking at life, you know, kind of life changing type money, okay, then, then you can come into this league, you can come into this job, and uh, if if the punishment's harsh, you get an extra year on your contract, which only brings the money factor, um, you know, more more into play. And and look, most coaches out there are looking for five year deals, right? With, with a good buyout in case it doesn't work out, we'll move on to the next one, particularly younger coaches. So I, I don't think that – I think if you – depending on how you look at it, some coaches who were candidates looked at it, and particularly established coaches, uh, maybe a James Franklin or a guy who is in a playoff situation, okay, like the offensive coordinator at Clemson looks at it and goes, you know what, I'm going to take a better opportunity job, a job that is not as big of a rebuild, okay, but Central Florida's not going to the playoffs until they expand the playoffs. I don't care if they go in unbeaten. It ain't going to happen, right? So you're sitting there going, ah, in the job I'm at, the best I can do is go unbeaten, and everybody's mad because we didn't make the playoffs. So you finish the year mad, right, because we got screwed because we didn't get in. That's the, high, that's the best we could do. If we do less than that, people are going to be really disappointed. So maybe you go restart your clock. I think that's why he takes this job regardless. Because there's a Central Florida's almost capped themselves a little bit, right? But because they hit the mountaintop, Scott Frost took them unbeaten, right? And, and they they advocated to get in there, and they and they didn't get in there. So I think there's a little bit of a cap feeling to Central Florida in some ways as well. So the the the, the follow up I have: Why did Tony Elliott turn that down? Because I think he feels like he can get a job that's a better immediate winning opportunity. He's sitting at Clemson right now. And, and I, I'm not suggesting Tony Elliott doesn't want to work or doesn't right, work right. or anything like that. He does. They got about four games a year they got to prep for, which two of them are in the playoffs. The rest of that league, they don't really have to work real hard, right? They get a lot of free time. And he's making $2 million a year as the OC there, a little over two million. He got a fat raise to stay, right? So why would you leave that situation and not go to a – what's more of a, quote, guaranteed winning situation, right? I mean, he, he, he's in I – mean, even though he's not a head coach, he's in a little better position of leverage than Josh Heupel was. So I think he can cherry-pick what job he wants. And I think that's what Tony Elliott's going to do. I think he's waiting on one or two particular jobs. I mean, why won't Matt Campbell leave Iowa State, right? He's in a good spot, good money. He's They're waiting. happy there. He's waiting on the right job. There's a lot of guys, either head coaches at a smaller place or, uh, and you see that more of the smaller places in basketball, but a lot of coordinators are waiting on the right job because if they take a job and they fail, do they get another chance? Do so they as we, get another chance? Sorry. As we wrapped up yesterday, Hutton uh, got Chad uh, steaming. <laughs> we, we asked him to simmer overnight on the idea that Jeremy Pruitt is, is pursuing his, his money. 
from the University of Tennessee in, in, uh, in, in light of everything that unfolded there. Uh, I, I would like you to further steam Chad Withrow with what, with what you not, know I'm, First of all, I'm not this. mad about him trying to pursue his money. Let's get that clear. You'd be mad if he I'm gets mad his money. That, I'm mad that a guy who was so bad is going to get all that money to not coach. Or whatever. Yeah. Right. I, I, I mean, Brent, you probably agree with me that it gets old to see coaches fail into a ton of money with a buyout, I don't, I don't get it when it comes to that. What's the status of that money, and what's it going to take for him to get it? Well, I, I mean, I think the question that the university is going to be is how, how hard do they want to fight it in terms of going to court? How much does – I mean, Jeremy Pruitt's going to fight it, right, because it's $12 million. So if you're the University of Tennessee, do you want it to sort of just go away and you say, hey, Jeremy, we'll give you $4 million. We'll give you $5 million. Let's just disappear here, Okay. Now, artist Tennessee say, you know what? We've got the goods on him so much in this investigation that there's no way he's going to get any money or we're going to give him any money in that. My guess is, knowing Tennessee's history of settling, there'll be a settlement. Jeremy Pruitt will not get $12 million, okay? I will be dumbfounded if he gets a $12 million buyout. But I will be dumbfounded if he gets zero as well because of the university's history of settlement. So I think they will settle it at some point, um, you know, what that dollar figure looks like, I don't know. But I think they'll ultimately end up being some kind of settlement to completely put that behind them and, and move on. Because that's typically what they've done through the years. Now, Brent, this is something that did have me steam two days ago in talking about it. I think that we've gone I'm so you've far- been steamed. <laughs> yeah. We love the word steamed on this show also. I also love the nice steamed oyster. That's also something else we love. Um, so the Henry Toto deal. I feel like we've gone so far in the direction of we're pro-athlete, we're pro-student athlete, we're pro-player. Players can never do anything wrong. And I'm of the opinion that if you're a Tennessee fan, you absolutely have the right to be angry with Henry Toto for the back and forth, for not making a decision quicker, and for deciding of all the schools he could have gone to, to go to Alabama and play against Tennessee. Oh, by the way, one of Tennessee's biggest rivals. Oh, by the way, the alma mater of the coach who got your program screwed by the NCAA <laughs> that's probably telling Henry Toto to go to Alabama. I'm not advocating going after the guy on social media, but for people to say that Tennessee fans have no right to be angry that Henry Toto picked Alabama really pisses me off. Am I in the wrong here, or do you agree that Tennessee fans have every right to be disappointed in that decision? What's well, the beautiful thing about being a fan, right? Because you can be absolutely hacked off, mad, pissed, steamed, whatever phrase we're going to use, <laughs> that a guy's going to the rival, right? But if Jalen Waddell had picked up the phone two years ago and said, hey, I want to come to Tennessee and catch footballs, <laughs> everybody would have went, I'll meet you at the state line, okay? Well, I mean, it'll look like Barney Fife bringing in a parade, hey, right? I mean, Brent, I am with you. I would I welcome mean, him open arms to Knoxville. But right. I'd also be pissed if I were Alabama, and Alabama fans sure. have the right to be mad if that happens, right? Right, and that's the beautiful part of being a fandom. The point you're making about Henry T that I think exasperates it is – the fact that he did carry on the I mean, he was the face of Tennessee for a year and a half. He was the guy that was at every media session. Tennessee was branding him as kind of the face of their program, right? They they they, they let him come in a month late last summer because he wanted to stay in California to be with his dad for Father's Day in June. Okay. They they I mean, they did everything to keep him his freshman year when he was threatening to go back home because he was homesick they fly out he's the only guy they went to see right when when the when when things were getting rowdy and and all this stuff was going on with potential coaching changes they all get in a plane with kevin Steele, and we're all going to fly out and you know hold hands and sing kumbaya and bring him back he never comes back he wants to come back at one point it appears for spring practice tennessee says hey you can come back for spring practice, but we need you to go out of, come out of the portal. Well, I'm not going to come out of the portal. Well, wait a minute. You're going to want to come practice 15 practices here, take somebody else's rep to get some stuff on tape for some other schools? So to your point, Chad, yes, the way he did it exasperates the anger. But, yeah, in the world we live in right now, nobody wants to see their guy go to, other, to the other rival school. I mean, they just don't want to go. I mean, you, gotta, you shouldn't personally attack him, but – 
you know, nobody ought to be going out buying an, an 11 Crimson Henry T jersey because I just love Henry T. I mean, you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, that's that's. Yeah. I mean, that's that's not the way. I mean, was anybody wearing a clowny Texans jersey to a Titans game when he joined the Titans team? You know, I mean, it, it, look, when he was on the other, when he was with the Texans, we you totally disliked the guy, right? J.J. Watt, right? You hate the guy, but if he came to your team, hey. We'll be in Love line him. to buy the jersey. That's part of being a fan. Yeah, I mean, I look. I don't want. I don't wish ill will to the kid. I don't want him injured or anything. But I have no hesitation saying I hope he never plays a snap at Alabama. <laughs> I hope he's not good enough to play at Alabama. I hope this hurts his NFL draft potential. Well, and I'm not afraid to say it about him for for what he did uh, with Tennessee. Now, uh, clear this up for me, also, Brent, because I know you guys were following this story closer than anyone. Was he in Knoxville? Working out in Tennessee facilities at one point when he was in the transfer portal? No, he came back and got some stuff. Um, he came to town, and when he came to town, it was the thought that he was going to work out, but he wasn't He wasn't in town long enough to, to do any of that stuff. I mean, he passed through is essentially what he did. But, no, he did not come in and, like, spend a week with his teammates. and That was kind of what everybody thought was going to happen, but it did not end up happening. Here's the other thing, too, about Henry T. We're – there's a little bit of some people, I don't want to say feel sorry for him, but to give him a little bit of a pass is most people know how involved his dad is in the decision-making process. Okay, Now, you want to be mad? His dad's quote about how we should have never gone to Tennessee. We made a terrible mistake by going to Tennessee. It was the worst decision. Now, that ought to hack you off, right? I mean, because yeah. the kid only started from day one, led the team in tackles. It wasn't like he didn't get to play. Right? It wasn't like he was some disaster here as an individual player. So that part only adds to Chad's uh, disdain for things at this point. Me steaming. My steam. steam. Hubs. Yeah. Yes. Brent, while we're talking about playing and playing time, this kid's going to Alabama and he's going to play like a star behind that defensive line. Is he not? Let's go ahead and let Chad know what Henry Toto is going to look like playing within Alabama's Get ready. defense. You know, it, I mean, yes. I mean, he's got he's got plenty of help in front of him. Um, Unless he gets now, homesick Alabama, again. Alabama <laughs> you never know. Not, Daddy might come in and say, you got time to go back to California. The little baby's homesick. Time to go back. Tus <laughs> Tuscaloosa, Brent, is further away than Knoxville from I, his home. Well, it's going to be tough. I, yeah, I, I do think his girlfriend's gone on a mission, so I don't, I'm not sure that she's back home for him to be homesick for okay. at this point either. Um, Where's the mission? The answer your, it's not in Tuscaloosa, I will say that. Um, to answer your question, they, they got a bona fide first-rounder at linebacker for next year. And they've got another guy who's been in their system, who's a good player, who's going to be an NFL player. And here's a Henry T. who's never been through spring practice, who Alabama's going to find out where they got from. There was a point in time in the spring where there were the Alabama people were saying, we're not going to take you. We're not going to take Henry T. Now, they changed, They obviously did a 180 and took him because they believe he can play. He will have to compete there more than he's ever competed at any point in his football life to be a starter and to be a star there. But he's going to be a factor. He's going to play. There's no doubt about that. Brent, there's a, something we asked uh, Josh Heifel about also, and I think this is a very difficult dilemma now for coaches all across college football, especially at and we'll, we'll, Tennessee as an example. When you're not one of the four to six power programs that are competing for a playoff spot every single year, how do you flex with players? And what I mean by that is, and I asked Josh Heupel, and he gave a pretty good answer about it, the balance of telling a kid to GTFO the moment he says, I want to go in the portal, to recruiting a kid to stay there, and how much time do you spend on that kid and or waste on that kid if he's already on the way out. And we can look at Tennessee with the balance of guys who left and they got hit hard in the transfer portal, but I'm looking at some pretty good players that they were able to convince to leave their program to come to Tennessee. So how do you look at that balance, Brent, especially for Josh Heupel, and how much time he spends re-recruiting a kid that pretty clearly doesn't want to give him and his program a chance? Well, I think this is where the NCAA has to help coaches out with the transfer portal. And what I mean by that is they've got to put some parameters and some windows in on when you can go somewhere and when you can't, okay? Um, th this idea that we're going to sit here and a kid's going to get mad on September the 10th, say I'm going to the transfer portal, and then basically not show up for practice, 
right? Like, and then you, what are you going to do? You can go to the dorm room and beg him to come back. And you know what I'm saying? I mean, mm -hmm. we got to put some kind of parameters on this to where it's not a daily re-recruitment process. But I think it's a human nature part, right? I mean, we all deal with this. If somebody doesn't want to be a part, at some point they don't want to be a part. And you just have to say, hey, we'll go on to the next one. We'll go on and find somebody else. Um, but because I think that you have to worry about your locker room if you cater to the star player or two who's threatening to leave all the time. If a guy's all the time, well, I didn't get this, I'm out of here. And look, that's what kids are going to do, right? That's the crutch. Okay? I mean, that, that's, the, that's the world we live in. It's the same kid that's playing the video game that said, hey, you know, I threw an interception in the first quarter in the Madden game. I'm hitting reset and starting the game over. Okay? It's the same mentality at a different level. I'm mad because I didn't get to play. They're wanting to move me to another position this, that, or the other, I'm leaving. I'm packing my bags and leaving. Now, what you hope coaches also are hoping is the portal doesn't work out for everybody. And, and I'm not trying to be mean, but you got more people going in, right, than, than they find a place to land. It's like an NFL player, Paul, who's playing the free agent game, thinking I'm going to get big bucks, and then it rolls around, and all of a sudden he didn't have a good year, and his value in the free agent market is not nearly what it what, what he thought it was going to be when he went into that world, when he decided not to sign the contract extension, okay, or, or whatever the case may be. I don't know all those rules, but it's the same parameter. A lot of kids are sitting here today who left um, a temple or they left someplace and they're going down, or they've left an SEC school and they're going down a level and not going laterally. The kids who are going laterally – are going to know where they're going before they ever hit the portal. To your point and to your question, Chad, I think as a coach, there's a threshold. I don't know what that is, but there has to be a threshold where you say, you know what, fellas, if you don't want to be here, you don't want to be here. Enough's enough. I'm moving on. we got to move on because it's for the betterment of our program that you're not going to hold us hostage daily, basically. Brent, do you think that Heupel has maximized the portal to his advantage as much as you thought he would, expected he would. VolQuest covers us a lot more closely than, than, than I do in, in regards to the transfer portal and, and players on the move. We, we know there are tons of players on the move. Have the Vols taken advantage of that? Well, they've hit need positions, okay? Look, and, and Austin's talked about this, and he's exactly right. You take the quarterback till you get a quarterback right. You just keep taking the quarterback till you get a quarterback right. So that's why that they've taken Joe Milton, okay? You say, well, well that, you know, they already took a transfer quarterback. Well, you take one till you get the guy you think is there because it's the most important position. It's absolutely the most important position that you've got to get right. I am a little surprised that they took another wide receiver. That's not a knock on Javante Payton. I think Javante Payton's a good athlete. I think he's a good player. But I'm a little surprised that they took another receiver they had to get some defensive linemen because some of these defensive linemen who are currently on the team, I don't think are going to be here. I don't know what Darrell Middleton's ultimately going to end up doing. <clears throat> Excuse me. I don't know yeah. what Alexis Johnson's status and some of these guys are going to be. They had to get some defensive line help. If there's one spot, Jonathan, that maybe they needed some, I thought they needed somewhere that they haven't gotten anywhere yet, that's corner. I could see them needing another corner or wanting another corner in the transfer portal. There's a couple of guys they're talking to out there that they've had some conversations with who are in the portal. We'll see if anything develops from it. I could see them taking a corner. If they got a corner, I couldn't sit here and say, you know what, they just they, they didn't they didn't maximize it out because I think they hit on every position of need. Now they could have taken three linebackers in the portal because they're that thin at that position, but they've helped themselves in the most positions of need, particularly if they get a corner. Because I think they're short at corner. I think they have a little more confidence in their defensive backfield than I do. I just don't think they have enough depth back there. Brent Hub's with us from VolQuest.com. Heupel mentions new age recruiting a lot. He said it multiple times in our chat, and he's done it multiple times, both at VolQuest and in press conferences. What does he mean by new age recruiting? What was Tennessee not doing that he's bringing? Well, I think it's I think it's relationships. I think it's recruiting more than just playing time, more than just 
the NFL, you know, more than just here's how many guys I've put in the league. It, it's more relationship re recruiting, you know. Uh, I think we see this, you, you know, it, they, they want more of a, a, quote, bond there. I think the other factor is, you know, how are you going to recruit with, with name, image, likeness? That, that is a game-changing element in recruiting that everybody's just kind of scratching the surface on that. New age recruiting, too, is that, does the guy have the personality that you think is going gonna, is gonna to stick it out? I mean, we're sitting here talking about the transfer portal. Let's say you find running back X, okay? Jonathan, you really like him. He's got yep. great talent. I mean, he can make all kinds of plays. Then you look and you go get his high school transcript from his guidance counselor and you look, and he's playing at his third high school in four years. Is that a red flag? Years past, probably not as much, but maybe now it is because the transfer portal. If this guy's moving this much, why? You got to dig into that and research that more because maybe he's not willing to get through some adversity, right? It doesn't go sure. perfect. And he's leaving. Now, maybe he's got justified reasons. Maybe mom and dad's transferred jobs three times, but maybe he's moving because he wasn't the starter there, right? Or he didn't get enough carries there, or he didn't like the offense there, or you know, whatever reason, those are some things you've got to dig into beyond just the, the, the weight, the height, the hand width and, and, and the combine types and stuff. You've got to find out the guy's personalities more than, than you have. I think than you have had previously and the name image likeness thing, how can you set in a, a living room and show a kid how he's going to make money at your school through, through the name image likeness deal? Cause that is the, that's the biggest change coming in college athletics that right now people think they might have a slight handle on or somewhat of a handle on, but they don't really have a handle on it because we've never experienced it before. Chad, what, what's Alabama's plan called? The Advantage. So what's uh, does Tennessee have the foundation of some sort of plan? I know it's different state to state and – and the NCAA or the SEC has to has to set some kind of clock that doesn't give certain schools in certain states a, a head start and the like. But do you have a sense or uh, of of where Tennessee is with the whole NIL thing? I, you know, they've got a plan um, that, that that there is a moving target. It's still a a working plan. I think that they are. Um, a lot of people are using an outside company. I think Tennessee's can you know, has done some consulting with someone. I don't know if they have anybody on contract at this point. I know everybody in co in the college athletic world, when they looked at the Georgia plan, went, huh? Wait a minute. 70% of it's going back to Georgia athletics? Ridiculous. You know, uh, you know that plan was a red flag because Georgia will have to tweak that plan because everybody's going to recruit against that. You know, they're going to recruit, hey, Georgia doesn't really want you to make money. They're taking all your money down there. We're not going to do that to you. So everybody, and, and that's why I think Georgia made a mistake throwing their plan out there in detail. I think the more you can kind of lay low until you sort of figure out what the NCAA is going to say the parameters are and not reveal what you're doing specifically, I think the better off you are. Because I think Georgia is going to have to walk back what their plan is right now because they're going to get beat up in recruiting by it in, in a big-time way. I'll kick 360 with Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com, the VolQuest Power Hour, part of the Tennessee Power Hour here on this Friday edition. Coming up, uh, recruiting is about to really crank up for Heupel and his staff. We'll get Hubbs' take on this as we've just been rapid fire right out of the gates with football. And also, the sheriff is back in town. Yes, he is. The, the very latest from Brent Hubbs on Peyton Manning's bang, visit. Bang. Straight ahead on Outkick 360. Hang with us. Outkick 360 with Brent Hubbs of VolQuest.com. Normally also Austin Price, but he is on assignment today. Now, he did mention that he's got a big meeting today. He told me, he called me this morning, Hubbs, and said that he, he was on assignment. I also saw where the sheriff is in town. Peyton Manning is in Knoxville. Is there any any chance that he's having lunch with with 16? I don't think it's happening, but um, <laughs> in all seriousness, the, the the circles that he's running in in some meeting <laughs> that it wouldn't be a stunner development okay. if okay. there was there was something if the I don't I think the sheriff is currently in the building 
um, in, in the Neyland, in, in the Anderson Training Center, um, visiting with the coach, having Sheriff's having a fun day is what he's doing because he's sitting in a room watching tape and he is clinicking today with um, Tennessee's coaching staff, which he absolutely, absolutely loves to do. I mean, it's one of his most favorite things to do because it brings him back into the, you know, into the sport and, and what's been his life for forever. Chad, that is an example of one of those questions. As I'm asking and setting this up to Brent, I'm thinking, I'm not sure if Austin wanted that out there. That yeah. He could potentially be having luck. <laughs> we may have just blown his cover so, right, right now. It, maybe this is an exclusive vault quest that Hubs <laughs> doesn't want promoted yet. Everyone's Duh. flocking to Calhoun's on the river now after Hutton says that to catch a glimpse of the Good sheriff job. and Austin. Good job. Much. Uh, no, like I said, um, I will, I, I mean, at last report, the sheriff was in the Anderson Training okay. Center <laughs> with uh, with Tennessee staff and, and visiting with them today. Of course, he's going to throw out the first pitch tonight uh, at Lindsey Nelson Stadium for, for the baseball game. And um, you know, he got into town yesterday and visited with some of the players. And, you know, you, the one thing you can say about him is you can't question his love for his alma mater. I mean, he absolutely loves Tennessee and um, does whatever he can whenever he can and has, you know, continued great relationships at Tennessee despite the fact Nobody, the same people aren't there more than three or four years at a time, it seems like. Uh, Chad, in Lindsey Nelson Stadium, host of a regional that's just been announced. Yeah, so uh, Tennessee announced as one of the regional host sites. Brent, how, how big is that uh, for Tennessee to be hosting a, a regional? And this is also the first series where it's 100% capacity. And it's sold out this weekend against the number one team in the country in Tennessee, a top five team. Um, we don't talk a ton of college baseball on this show, but obviously a big weekend in Knoxville punctuated by the fact that you just mentioned it. The sheriff himself, Peyton Manning, is throwing out the first pitch tonight. Yeah, I mean, it's a big weekend. And, and you know, it's, it's another step towards normalcy, the fact that you're going to have 3,300 fans uh, in the stands as a sellout all weekend long. Um, this is a baseball team that the fan base has gravitated to for two reasons. One, they're winning, and Tennessee fans are looking for anything that's winning. And B, they're a fun group. I mean, it, you know, it's a it's a group of guys that show a lot of toughness and grit about them, and, and they've been fun to watch. So it should be a, a big deal. Uh, it should be a great weekend and uh, a great series between two really good teams. And then for the regional part, it tells you about what Tony Vitello's done in his time at Tennessee, and he's he, he has resurrected that program in a hurry. Uh, it's disappointing. The NCAA has already come out and said 50% capacity for regionals and super regionals and the college world series as well but uh, you know you're going to play you're going to play in front of some people and tennessee's going to host at home which i don't think is a bad thing at all could that regional have been worth money to him or is it further along that they need to have get for uh, gotten for him to have earned a bonus that he won't in fact earn um, well, yeah, I mean, that, that, that's part of his bonus structure. He would have gotten a percentage of his, of his base salary uh, for hosting a region, and then it's a different number. It goes up if, if they have a super regional at home. Uh, it goes up if they make the College World Series. But all those coaches signed that uh, pandemic reduction agreement, and that wiped away their bonus structure. Rick Barnes did not get a bonus. Kelly Harper did not get a bonus. Um, Tennessee did not, Tennessee's tennis coach did not get a bonus for winning the – the SEC tournament, um, and Tony Vitello is not in line for any of his bonuses based on the document he signed with the uh, reduction agreement that expires on June the 30th of 21, so just in a, in a little over a month. Brent Hubbs is our guest. Brent, I have to read this on air. My cousin Nathan in Washington, D.C. is a huge Vols fan. Just sent me a text. I think it sums you up perfectly. Uh -oh. He says that Brent Hubbs is the Alabama of Tennessee coverage, <laughs> which I thought was well said. It may be one of the best compliments you've ever received, so congratulations great, on that. Great. Well, thanks, Nathan. You've just steamed Chad <laughs> my on this show because I'm, I'm linked to the rival school, right, Chad? Yeah, well, and speaking of the rival school, uh, we mentioned the advantage earlier, the NIL uh, plan for Alabama. And, Brent, you brought up a great point, um, a big case study in the new name image likeness being Arch Manning in the very near future. Please explain. Well, I, I just think that, you know, he's going to have such name recognition already to begin with and, and his ability and the brand and that family understands branding more than, than anybody else. I mean, think about it. Look at every commercial that, that Peyton has done 
look at the imaging of, of Eli, okay? I mean, Eli on draft day had a bad image, right? Because he refused to play in San Diego. Has anybody talked about that really since? Yeah, I know he won a couple of Super Bowls, but that, I mean, that family got that to go away faster than anything in, in the world, it seems like, went away. Um, you know, they have a team of marketing, a team of branding around that family name. So I think in recruiting him, uh, your, your plan for name image likeness is going to matter pretty significantly because he's going to have his pick of playoff teams, uh, of stable programs, you know, uh, and all of those types of things. So what's going to be the edge for, for, some, for them? I, I think one of the things if you're a school, if you're trying to get an edge, you have to present that business side of the plan in a great manner because I think they're going to pay attention to it. They're going to know probably more about it than you do. So you better be ready with a really good plan because I think that'll be a big factor in his recruitment. So I am a loyal listener of the VolQuest podcast every week. This is uh, one of my rituals as I mow the yard every week is to listen to you guys. And Brent, you laid out one of the more unbelievable facts that I've ever heard on this VolQuest podcast. Tennessee currently has a player on their roster, may not be there for long, but that committed to Derek Dooley <laughs> as the Tennessee coach. Please explain this fact. Uh, Darrell Middleton committed as a wide receiver to Derek Dooley, who is now a defensive tackle who's played through, I don't know how many presidential administrations that ends up being. Um, I don't know how many athletic directors that ends up being at Tennessee. Um, Dave Hart, John Curry, Philip Fulmer, Danny White. So that's four ADs, probably three presidents, maybe um, three university presidents. Um, you know, he committed as a as a ninth grader a, at that point, and um, yeah, he's linked all the way back to, to Derek Dooley. He's, he's certainly had a, a crazy journey to get to Tennessee. Now we'll see where his commitment level is in terms of playing for Josh Heupel and and finishing at finishing it out here. He was, you know, obviously not around. At the end of spring for the spring game, I know he's met with the Tennessee coaches. And I think the question for him, uh, it's not about transfer portal, but it's a little bit about what you were asking about earlier, Chad, and that is you're either with us or you're not. And I think he's got to make a decision as to whether or not he's with Tennessee uh, beyond just wanting to show up on Saturday and play. I mean, he, he's got to make a real commitment to, uh, to doing everything the right way on and off the field and, and getting himself in a position to play. He has NFL talent about him. No doubt. He's just never been engaged and locked in the way he should be to maximize that talent. But body type and uh, development as a, as a player. But is there anything more fitting than Derek Dooley recruiting a wide receiver who's now a defensive tackle? <laughs> <laughs> well, in He's had time to eat. Yeah. In fairness to Derek Dooley, nobody <laughs> believed he was going to be a wide receiver. Everybody <laughs> thought he was going to be a defensive end because he was so big. But he was... Um, you know, he wanted to play, he wanted to be a basketball star and, and a wide receiver. So I don't think Tennessee recruited him, and I don't think he ever played a snap a wide receiver at the junior college level or anywhere else. But at the time he committed, he was going to be a wide receiver. And I think Tennessee said, hey, buddy, you can say whatever you want to say, but when you weigh 290 pounds, <laughs> you know, coming back here, you're probably not going to play wide receiver. You put your hand in the ground. Hey, explain with recruiting heating up and cranking up what Heupel and his staff are, are about to, to get going on campus and, and throughout the country. It's going to be a zoo on campus around the country for all campuses. I mean, I, you know, I saw a kid on Twitter today who mentioned put down his travel plans. I think he had like 10 stops in the month of June for camps. <laughs> I think Arch Manning is going to see something like eight places or nine places in the month of June. Um, you got a group of kids who have not seen anywhere. They've not been anywhere. Um, and, and it's, it's going to feel like the last day of school when they get turned loose. I mean, kids are just going to scatter and go to as many places as they can go to and see as many places as they can. And it's not just class of 22 guys. It's class of 23, class of 24. They're going to want you to camp. You're going to go camp at some places. You're going to come an unofficial visit, walk around, see a coach face-to-face -face for the first time. And then you're going to have a bunch of kids taking official visits as well. I think Tennessee could have anywhere between 15 and two dozen official visitors in the month of June on top of the camp kids, on top of other kids that are going to come and take unofficial visits. It's 30 days of chaos 
where you, you better ratchet it up and you got to figure out how you can spend some quality time with those kids and not just make it kind of a meat market type deal, not just for the class of 22, but for 23 and 24 because you're making first impressions there. And for Heupel, it's really important because he wasn't recruiting any of these kids when he was at Central Florida for the most part. They weren't in the state of Tennessee recruiting. They weren't recruiting a ton of SEC athletes because they couldn't get involved there. So this is a really important month for Josh Heupel and his staff, really important. Brent, I know that you and Austin just went on a tour of West Tennessee with some of the, the high schools in that area and even had notes in, uh, in the general's quarters this morning in the war room about a couple of those prospects that Tennessee's in good standing with. Overall, because of the newness with Josh Heupel in the state of Tennessee and now things opening up where he can host visitors, is he making headway with some prospects in this state as this state becomes more and more important? Yes, he is, and, and this month is important, or the month of June is important to continue to do that. It's tough for the 22 class, okay, the kids in the 22 class, because kids don't want to wait, right? Kids are going to commit earlier and earlier, uh, so that they're playing a catch-up game there that's really, really hard. But you see what they're doing in the 23 and 24 class in particular, and some 22s as well. They, they have made some inroads. They, they've had some really important dialogues with Jalen Lewis out of Haywood County in Brownsville, Tennessee, that I think is important. He's to be in town the first week of June. Uh, Cody Jones is a, a kid who's committed to Michigan, um, but his coach who was recruiting him has just left to go to, to Buffalo. I think Tennessee's trying to get in the door there. That's a 22 guy, a class of 22 guy, and then a bunch of 23s and 24s. Josh Heupel said in his opening press conference, Tennessee was a priority for him. And he has made that, he has shown evidence of that by the way that they have tried to make inroads in the state. they got a long ways to go because the kids in this state have never seen Tennessee be successful, so there's not a loyalty there to Tennessee like, Chad, you had when you were younger or I had growing up following it. This is not, you know, kids are not tied to Tennessee because they've never seen Tennessee succeed, uh, but they, they've done a good job of, of making inroads there for sure. So, Brent, I had a chance to call a, a game on television earlier this season with Brandon Miller at Cane Ridge. Five-star, small four, can go anywhere in the country. He's visiting Tennessee basketball and Rick Barnes coming up in June. They've got another five-star player from Dallas visiting the program as well. They've had back-to-back top five recruiting classes in basketball. And with some of the momentum with these guys, that they're positioning themselves for maybe another top five finish a year from now. Brent, is this just simply a program that we can now expect, as long as Rick Barnes is there, is going to be – competing at a national level with all of the Blue Bloods to be a top basketball recruiting class year in and year out? Yeah, I think you can. Uh, I think you can. One, you've got a shift in some Blue Bloods and, and some you know, some things there, obviously with what happened with Roy Williams leaving North Carolina and those things. I mean, it, it's, a, it's a blueprint. It's harder to do in, in football because you've got 85 scholarships. But Rick Barnes's blueprint is, is something that people out there are, are noting. And, and – for the first couple of years, everybody's like, wait a minute, we brought this guy in from Texas who had these five-star players, and he didn't recruit these guys. Why is he not recruiting five stars? Why is he not recruiting the big-name players, right? He's, he's retirement Rick. It's over. You know, he's just come to, to, to sit around and just cast off to the finish line here and take some more money. What he was doing was he was establishing his program. And he used Grant Williams and Admiral Schofield, and look, he hit on Grant and, and – and hit on Admiral that they became really good players, okay? But he created a culture, and he created a culture of development. And every kid you talk to, why are you interested in Tennessee? They can get me better and get me ready for the league, okay? So here's Grant Williams. He's a three-star nobody wanted. He turned down Ivy Leagues to come to Tennessee. He's now on an NBA contract with the Celtics. Keon Johnson came for one year at Tennessee. He's getting drafted in the top ten probably. Um, you know, so you, you've got um, Springer's going to get drafted in the top 20 in just a year development here. So you've further enhanced your culture of what you're about. That's the recruiting style of Rick Barnes. I'm hard to play for, but I'm going to love you for the rest of your life. I'm going to be there for the rest of your life. I've got evidence of that, and I'm going to get you ready for the next level. And that's got everybody's attention around the country in basketball, including all the five stars or many of the five stars, which is why you're seeing Tennessee so prevalent with those guys. 
VolQuest.com, the very latest on all of the things and all of the news going on with Tennessee Athletics. Brent, as always, thank you so much. Please let Austin know what he missed out on throughout this hour. I hope the Peter Millar was worth it, yeah. Austin. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, hey, get get back to the to the bean fields out there in, in Knoxville. We're going back to thinning beans and uh, putting out the okra. So we've All got right. uh, we're gonna. I'm gonna put on my hoodie, uh, <laughs> Paul. But hey, collar for you today was pretty sharp, right? Pretty Paul? sharp. Pretty a little, sharp. A little more. A little more professional, pleased you today, because you were really bothered by my hoodie last week. I mean, you were really, you was triggered. I, I, you looked I, terrific. You were steamed. I mean, you were really <laughs> steamed last week. So you looked terrific. I, I mean, I really want to. I'm, you know, it's important that I please you with my attire. So I hope that this looks okay. If you don't like it, send me a message. I'll try to improve I'm it. I'm sorry next you week. took it so hard. I thought you could handle it. I you look terrific. I want a full ensemble next week, Brent. Like not just a suit, like an actual put together ensemble by some stylist. That's what you should bring to the Look, table. It's no Peyton with Peter Millar like your partner's <laughs> doing, but it's it's a it's a it's good. Okay, well thanks. So you like my Adidas gym pants. <laughs> that was a little jarring. I always enjoy it. Appreciate it, guys. Thanks. Brent Hubbs. Brent Hubbs, business up top, party down below. <laughs> what I always said about him. <laughs> the mullet of Tennessee coverage. <laughs> and he logs off. See you, buddy. Hubs uh, making it happen for us with the VolQuest Power Hour. Been a fun week. I've made a wager against you, Hutton. Oh, I've gone, you're betting uh, Yankees over in, Orioles. In game, I've taken the Yankees money line. I've taken your starter, Dean, is it Kramer? Kramer. Kramer, under five and a half strikeouts. And I've taken Corey Kluber, over five and a half strikeouts. Fair. Let me go and take exactly what the Bra- <laughs> This is what the Braves are going to do now. Plus 302. So the Braves just got swept by the Blue Jays. They're now Acuna's three down. They're going to battle back for about a week and a half. They're going to claw their way back to 500. Mm. And the moment they get to 500, they're going to lose five straight. Again, then they're just going to try to claw their way back to 500. Very complicated relationship with 500 for this Braves I'm going to surprise you. I wanted to make fun of Acuna not being able to run through first base. But... I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often, to be honest with you. It, it's an awkward thing to run as hard as you can and then take a short, a shorter stride on the bag. And yeah. quite frankly, while people make fun of it, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often that a guy screws up his leg. What, what's the result? What, what was the verdict? The uh, MRI was negative, but it's just a day-to-day thing. He yeah. could play tonight in Milwaukee. I won't be surprised if not. it hampers him. Yeah. It looked ugly. Last thing the Braves need. <laughs> he is their offense right now. Two quick things on the way out. First, hit the YouTube channel. Hit it. Over the weekend, Outkick360. And if you go to the bar, YouTube.com, just search Outkick360 channel. You, you hit the subscribe button. You hit that bell. You will be alerted on Monday when we go live. But you will be alerted anytime we post new exclusive content to the channel. Again, it's the Outkick360 channel on YouTube. Also, FanDuel.com slash OK360. Uh, Paul mentioned he's betting the Yankees over the Orioles and taking some props with that. You can do the same. Some great offers if you're a new user to FanDuel. You can log on. You can bet up to $1,000 risk-free. You'll get the $1,000 back risk-free in site credit if you lose your first bet by opting in the first time you make your bet and your first deposit. That's FanDuel.com slash OK360. You can bet UFC this weekend. You can take some futures on the NFL schedule that was just announced and some some odds that we went through yesterday on the program and much more. Again, that's FanDuel.com slash OK360. And a shout out to Renner's Warehouse as we end the week. Uh, their debut on the show this week. Uh, great product, what they offer, Chad, and they've been with us uh, for years now and we're thrilled that they're a part of the show Appreciate here without kids. Yeah, you've heard me talk about them. You've seen their spots during the breaks. rwnashville.com. Check out that upfront rent offer that they have going on right now and give them a call. 615-398-9550. Boys, what a week. You want Shout a, out. Go ahead. I was going to say you want another shocker, an account called Go Cats with a, a Kentucky logo. Just followed me on Twitter. Dogs and cats living together. It's big you, time. You rip on Brent Hubs and Kentucky fans are now <laughs> Come fans. Come jumping on board. Paul They're Kowarski. all in with Paul. You haven't heard my uh, Kentucky 
UK Hearts PK. A couch burner. Those just that Kentucky me. fan pissed that my cousin didn't say that Brent Hubbs is the Kentucky basketball <laughs> of Tennessee coverage. This guy's getting ready well, to burn a couch this week. He said that you're the Alabama football, so it's the same thing, right? Yeah, yeah. You're Alabama football fan, you're a Kentucky That's true, fan. yeah. It's, it's all the same to them. Same person. I'm same stunned person. by this. Shout Brent's out to Lance Lee, Jacob Swanson, Sarah Triplett. David Reed pulling double duty today in for Becca Risley. Uh, who had a well-deserved day off, and Sleepy Danny, who's waking up for the afternoon to prepare for I'll Kick the Show. We're back at it on Monday. Have a great weekend, everyone. Don't block the box. Do lock the locks. Don't look at Chad doing that nonsense. Hey, it's Jonathan Hutton. Thanks for listening to OutKick 360. Be sure to subscribe to the show to have the latest podcast delivered to you each and every day. And give us five stars. It helps us grow our network and provide you with more great podcasts like this one.